Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of The Spilled Tea. I am your hostess with the mostess. Emmy Morgan, and joined with me is one of my, I was going to say oldest, and I was like, eh, that makes him sound old. I'm going to say one of my dearest friends from high school, actually. Joe, say hello, Joe. Hi. Good afternoon, everybody. Good morning, wherever you are. (laughs) Joe and I met, um, well, I've told this story like a billion times. He's kind of sick of hearing it. Um, when I was in sixth grade in Aguam, Mass, there's different elementary schools in Aguam. So when you get into the sixth grade and middle school, there's only one middle school, one junior high, and one high school. So that's when I met Joe. And he stuck out because, one, he did not look like anybody else in school I thought he was Hispanic for a long time, um, but then I was like, his last name, I was like, no, I don't think he's Hispanic. Then he, he must be mixed race um, or, bi, or biracial. That's what I thought at the time, because some people don't like the term mixed race, but whatever. Anyway, um, so I, I was like... I prefer the term hodgepodge. You see what I have to deal with? Do you guys hear this? This is what I've dealt with 30 plus years. I can't take it. Anyway. We're going to have some fun today. <sighs> Anyways. Um, so I just thought he was just like different. And he argues with me. I'm telling the truth. He was popular in school. So I just thought, oh, he's cool. And slowly we became like, friends he started he was in some of the classes that I was in mostly in junior high seventh grade because in middle school we really didn't have that much interaction but I definitely knew who he was um in seventh to eighth grade we had more interaction and then high school ninth to um ninth to twelfth we had way more interaction so he's just one of these people who I just always had high regards for it. Nobody in high school can say one bad thing about this kid. Um, He says different. (laughs) See, this is what I'm talking about. He says different. I'm telling you, I am not in, I was never in the popular group. I know what I'm talking about. He does not know what he's talking about. He does not know how he came across to people. People loved him. And I've never heard a bad story about him ever. So if I did, I probably wouldn't even believe it. So um, I won't share. I won't share any today. Then I won't solely my uh, <laughs> my opinion that I formed over the years. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Guys, don't believe him. Anyway, so um, fast forward to a couple of years ago, I was in a nostalgic kind of mood. I added him on Facebook as a friend and picked up right where we left off. I think actually we got closer as adults than we did as kids, just because 
there's no um, pretense. I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm just able to be more be honest fair. with him now as a as an adult than I was as a kid. So, so that's my friendship with Joe. Um, Want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Go right ahead. Well, contrary to the introduction, I am not good. <laughs> No, um, you know, over the course of, of the years, obviously, you know, Facebook has helped to, um, you know, kind of reunite people and, and bring people back together. And I was, I was pleasantly, uh, you know, pleasantly surprised when, when you reached out, um, when, when whoever reached out via Facebook, I don't even remember who friend requested who. It was probably um, me, yeah. It, it, it may have been, but um, I'm not a huge social media adherent, even though I, like, you know, it, it may it may seem like that at some points, but um, you know, I was pleasantly surprised because you know, if there's anybody who probably sees the darker side of of growing up in a, a small town, and and I, I, you know, obviously I mean that, um, you know, the, with the utmost respect for Agawam mm-hmm. and, and what it has brought to my life and, and my upbringing. Um, it's if there's anybody who understands what growing up in a small town and seeing you know exactly how some of those dynamics work out in terms of the intersectionality between race and gender and you know uh, sexuality and and just growing up and um, you know if there's anybody who understands it, I knew it would be you uh, <laughs> <laughs> because there's there's and there's so many unique experiences just you know I, that I can think of between my friends and and the the circle of friends that I kept. Um, mm-hmm. at least that I kept close in, in high school um, to, to, to then have that experience kind of reemerge and be able to rebuild mm-hmm. it at a more mature level, I think is, mm-hmm. is something that I really appreciated. And I, I, I think the pretense, you know, comment was, was pretty, pretty accurate. I think mm-hmm. we're at the point where, you know, where as, as adults, we can look back fondly on some things with, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, some realistic criticism on others and also appreciate the fact that as grown adults, we don't have to necessarily succumb to the peer pressure and the weird social groups that, um, you know, that kind of yep. defined us back then. Mm-hmm. True. So I'm thankful. I'm very thankful. And see guys, he grew up as a jock, but he was like a smart jock. That's how he evolved to the human being that he is today. Um, (laughs) that's a good thing that your parents did don't worry about it um yeah but oddly enough and i've said this to him before although he had the best butt in high school i never had a crush on him and that is surprising to me because typically i always had a crush on a guy that was really really nice to me but i uh, except for him and um this other guy joe that i was friends with I never had a crush on either of them, which is so odd. Hmm. I gotta think about that. Um, it's probably because it was. It's probably because I was four foot two. Okay, first of all, height didn't matter to me. <laughs> Shut up. And I was not very tall either. Oh my god, whatever. He's <sighs> right. So that's what I deal with, guys. Um, yeah. So I guess let's just get into the topics then. I had Joe. I have Joe on because we actually just wrapped up another. Uh, podcast which was very different from this show and it was like a 
a trial by error type of show. And everybody kept commenting, I love your friendship with Joe, you know, and I'm like, you do? I mean, it's okay, I guess. But um, so I was like, (laughs) so I was like, I want to have him on and, and hear everybody or get everybody's opinion on our friendship on, on this type of platform where there's, it's just very different from the other show, but. So, yeah, let's get into these topics. We're going to start, because we've been away so long, I'm just going to give a recap. So let's start with cancel culture. Mm. Everybody on this show knows I believe wholeheartedly in cancel culture, but not for everything. You don't cancel the restaurant who gets your order wrong. Um, Anti-Semitism. Uh, racism, xenophobia. If you don't know what xenophobia means, it's, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, anyone who is from outside of you, like the foreign people, um, how else do I put it? Uh, Foreigners that live and then come here, immigrants, you don't like them just because they come into your land. And is that correct? What xenophobia is? Yeah, basically it's just right. your prejudice against anyone from anywhere, any other country, essentially. All right. Okay. Um, transphobia, homophobia, pedophilia, and any kind of abuse. Those are grounds to cancel somebody. Now the abuse topic comes into play though, because it's, there's a little bit of a gray area with abuse. I know that sounds weird, but let me tell you. Verbal abuse, if you verbally abuse somebody, that can be rehabilitated. What I mean by that is you could be coached and told that was verbal abuse. You don't do that to somebody. And then you change your behavior. Physical abuse, no, I'm sorry. I don't, personally, I don't believe that you can be ever be rehabilitated from physically abusing somebody. I don't think that you can physically abuse one person and then not physically abuse the other person and you're cured. You're fine. I, I, I think it's still in you. And uh, sorry, but you're canceled in my book. And I know other people will say different. Um, financial abuse, if you guys don't know what that means, it's when you have somebody in your life Cut, you cut off all sources of income and you are the only source of income for them. So they have to rely on you. That's financial abuse. Can you get over that? I mean, yeah, I guess you can. You can be with another partner who makes the same or more money and you're okay with it. But why? I don't know. Um, mental abuse. I don't think you can ever get over the mental abuse. I think that you constantly, if you mentally abuse one person, you more than likely will mentally abuse another person in some way, shape, or form. But like I said, the verbal abuse is the only thing I feel like you can come back from. You can come back from being verbally abusive. Um, I don't know. Go ahead and correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. Uh, I, I would never I would never even attempt to do such a thing. But I will <laughs> say, as the, <laughs> as the resident um, mm-hmm. I, I think we've reached a point where cancel culture has become uh, has become weaponized. 
And what yes. I mean by that is that mm-hmm. I think there are certain things that absolutely deserve the, the, you know, the, the most aggressive form of public vilification. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think there's certain elements of that that are, you know, that are apparent in, in some cases where you look at, you know, uh, the the Me Too movement and how that started mm-hmm. and how it Harvey Weinstein. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the justification for ousting Harvey Weinstein is mm-hmm. completely. Yeah, there's there's certainly a, a a whole slew of evidence that supports the fact mm-hmm. that this guy was a total scumbag and abused yep. his position of power. So I think Constantly. the problem then becomes. Well, the problem then becomes is that, you know, now we've seen how this can be an effective tool, an effective mm-hmm. mechanism for dealing with people that have, have committed these kind of egregious sins. And because people have seen how effective, how effective it has been, they now mm-hmm. have started to use it for almost anything. Yes. So I know you started off by saying you can't cancel, you know, cancel a restaurant for getting your no. order wrong. But we're gravitating towards those types of, uh, of scenarios we are. because mm-hmm. everything wants to be canceled. Everyone wants to cancel everything. And you mm-hmm. can't cancel everything. I mean, there's a certain element of free speech that's built into the, you know, to the American experience that unfortunately mm-hmm. means that you could say some pretty shitty things about people and pretty mm-hmm. shitty things about you know, situations. And it's still covered by, by free speech. Now, does that right. mean that the people that support you should you know, continue to support you or continue to, to, you know, to pay dollars in advertising or, or whatever it may be to, um, you know, to, to boost your career or to maintain your career. I don't know. That's up to the individual companies that are supporting them, but that's mm-hmm. what happens. You've got this, you've got someone who doesn't like what someone says. And next thing you know, it's amplified to the, you know, to the nth degree because of social mm-hmm. media. And next thing you know, you've got, Everybody wants to cancel whoever it is based on mm-hmm. public outcry. And often that public outcry ends up shifting. And I think the biggest concern that I have with that is that in 2021, we have a very, very different perspective on just the social dynamic in the United States than we did 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And when someone is outed for something that they said on Twitter, for a stupid comment that they made when they were a teenager on Twitter. And now, you know, eight years later, they're a professional athlete. Do I think they should be held accountable? Yeah. Take the tweet down, apologize for it. But do I think mm-hmm. they should be canceled for a stupid tweet? You know, it's really hard for me to, to justify that all of those skeletons in someone's closet are being outed because it's social media. Whereas these kids didn't understand what technology was bringing to the table at the time. They were, you know, you're talking about unformed brains making these stupid decisions. And now they're, they're being held to task for things that, you know, have, uh, have long since passed. They've grown and they've matured and they're, I'm sure their ideologies have changed and mm-hmm. people still want to cancel them because of something that happened so long ago. I think it's not like, you know, you were found that, you know, that, that you committed atrocities in world war two these are things mm-hmm. that people say dumb things because they have an audience of peers that, you know, boost these, these, these posts and boost these, uh, you know, these idiotic comments. And if I, you know, I'm so thankful that we didn't have social media when I was in <laughs> high school. Or I mean, I said a lot of stupid things back then. I did a lot of stupid things. I mean, we all do as, as mm-hmm. young adults, as, as even adolescents. And mm-hmm. 
it's really frustrating to see that society has has pointed the finger at so many people without really taking an introspective lens at themselves and saying, mm-hmm. is this really how we want to deal with situations where someone has maybe said something that they shouldn't have? Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I was absolutely going to disagree with you until you, you know, made up for yourself. I don't feel <laughs> like we should ever excuse someone's age when you go on social media, you know exactly what you're doing. You may not know how far it will reach, but you know exactly what you're doing. But to your point, when you said their ideologies, their views have completely changed now, that's the part I was like, okay, I, I agree with him. Um, Kevin Hart, a couple years ago, was dragged through the mud because he did some homophobic jokes. He has said, mm-hmm. after I did that, after I put that out on Twitter, now he didn't cancel, like he didn't um, delete the tweets, but he said, I didn't do any homophobic jokes after that. And so he recognized that it was there. More than likely what he did was he did the jokes, stopped doing, realized how homophobic it was, and then was like, crap, I can't believe I, you know what, how am I going to find those tweets that I did? It's not easy to go back and cancel your tweets, folks, especially if you've had your account since like 2012 when it first came out. It's hard to go back and find those tweets. Some of those tweets are gone. I don't even know how some people find them. Um, I and remember managing it themselves. Exactly. And I, I, I remember trying to find a tweet from my old account, and I've since got a new account. And I'm like, I can't even find it. And I've done a bunch of searches. I couldn't even find it. So just be cognizant of the fact that sometimes people do change, but they – they just do the sleuthing that you guys know how to do. I'm, I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, but, but Kevin the reason Hart, why Kevin Hart's a great example because we don't yeah. know we don't know what private conversations Kevin Hart had. We don't know, you know, right. if he had a family member or a friend or a close, you mm-hmm. know, someone who was close to him that came into him and said after a show, like, you know, hey, that really hurt my feelings. Like that was, I, I, I think you're funny, and I think some of what you said has, you know, has some some humor to it. But I can't get past the fact that. This, you know, the, a lot of these homophobic jokes, you know, they, they affect me personally. We don't know mm-hmm. if that happened. We don't, we don't know how the conversation happened that ultimately led to that point. But if he doesn't come out hat in hand and doesn't mm-hmm. say, I'm sorry to the entire community that has been impacted by my negative jokes, then, you know, all of a sudden it's not enough. It is mm-hmm. never enough. And I think, that, I think that's the, the, the big thing behind cancel culture is that we feel like we're punishing these people. This is the public's opportunity yeah. to punish these people as opposed to saying, you know, how do we, uh, you know, grow as people and how do we evolve as people when these are the kinds of, of, of responses that don't allow for that? Right. And also a new term that I've been using, <clears throat> we all know about calling people out, calling people out canceling them. We all know that. There's a new term I'm using called calling people in. And so I started to call people in. For example, um, and this is, it's not probably not going to go anywhere, but I did it anyway. 
I sent a tweet <laughs> to um, President Biden because mm-hmm. he felt that canceling $10,000 of student loan debt was perfectly fine. He had this explanation about how his three kids did it, so every American can do it. And I disagreed with him. And instead of calling him out, because I did vote for him, I called him in, and I had a huge statement, and I told him why and everything. Again, he probably won't even see it. Whatever. But I felt like, okay, I did something. I called someone in, and that felt better. I felt I've, I felt like for the past four years, we've had a president who's called everybody out. And so my reaction as somebody against him is to do the same. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be feeding into the type of negativity I'm seeing in the world. So I call people in now. Um, there's this guy on TikTok. It was, uh, this is a very personal topic, but I'm going to talk about it. There's a guy that was on TikTok. I'm not going to name him. I'm not going to do that. But I called him in. He was lip syncing the words to I'm Real by Jennifer Lopez. Uh, The remix with um, Ja Rule. He mouthed mouthed the N-word because Ja Rule said the N-word. So my friend was like, did he just mouth the N-word? And I'm like, he sure did. I don't know why. And my friend and I tried to call him in and tell him, you can't do this. This is wrong. And he's like, uh, you guys need to really rewatch this. The N-word isn't there. And I'm like, honey, you did this same song two months ago. You didn't mess it then. It's there. You know it's there. So why are you pretending it's not? And then he said, oh, no, I said the word you. I didn't, I didn't mouth the, the – and I said, honey, listen, if you made a mistake, admit you made a mistake. But don't flat out lie to my face. And it got into a back and forth. And I didn't call him out. And I didn't leave the conversation. I stood my ground. He ends up saying, mm-hmm. you know what? What, what? What's the resolve? And I said, the resolve is you take that video down, redo it, don't say the N-word, and you're good. He's like, I took it down. And I go, you missed the point of what I was saying. So in the end, at the end of the day, he didn't understand what I said. But I didn't call him out. I didn't drag him. I, I called him in, and I felt so much better because maybe he's going to learn from that. I don't know if he is, but I felt better about it. And then, but I think that's, that's a dialogue that you need to have. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And then I saw another person posting a video with Nicki Minaj is the sound. And Nikki said the N-word. The person completely stopped lip-syncing and picked it right back up after that word. I sent it to him, and I said, this is how you do it. I didn't get a response from him. But still, <laughs> the petty in me came out. Um, the whole cancel culture thing came up, for me at, at least, because we have three people that I really thought, should they be canceled? Uh, number one, Ted Cruz. <laughs> what do you think? What, <laughs> Joe laughs. Uh, I, my opinion, I think he needs to be canceled. Number one, he had the power to cancel the biggest bully we've ever seen in United States history, and he didn't. And then when a severe storm hits the state that he's been elected in, 
he runs and leaves, blames his daughters on him leaving, and then lies and says, well, I was just getting them over there. Honey, you had a whole suitcase with you. Uh, if it was a one-day trip, why'd you take a whole suitcase, Teddy? Raphael, Edward, not Ted. Well, so that's, that's what a do great you think? point, though. But here's, here's this is my contention about something like that. And, you mm-hmm. know, this is, this is part of where I, I feel like cancel culture is very ineffective. You've got mm-hmm. a public person mm-hmm. who is, a, you know, an elected official who – in, in the eyes of many people, has abdicated his responsibility, right? Mm-hmm, At mm-hmm. the end of the day, the responsibility is up to those voters in the area that he lives, in his mm-hmm. district, in order to either remove him because they feel yep. like it's such a big deal that they can't live with it. But, we're not, you know, who's going to remember this in a couple of years or a few years when he, he's up for reelection again? And... As a, as, a, as a group, as a group of Americans, when you see a senator do something like this, sure, I, I think we all have an opinion about it. And I think we all can be rightly offended by the fact that, you know, while people are freezing in their homes because they don't have power or because, you know, the, their pipes have burst and they don't have water, I can understand how those situations would make people rightfully outraged. But canceling mm-hmm. them doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything in that situation because they're still an elected official, and they still will be for that duration. Mm. Well, here's why I feel like it is okay to cancel him. I think, number one, he should be immediately removed and replaced with somebody else. I don't know if it's a Republican or a Democrat. Replaced with somebody who's going to do something. Because if Texas gets hit with this again, is he going to do the same thing? That's my issue. I don't even live in Texas, and I'm just saying that. I actually hate Texas. But um, another thing is – It's the same argument that they're using to say that Gavin Newsom, you know, can go out to restaurants. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the coronavirus, he's got this this severe lockdown in his state, but he Mm -hmm. can go out to restaurants. The same argument that they use against Cuomo. So when when there's an R in front of the name – do I feel like it's appropriate to cancel that person when there is already another mechanism in place to, to handle that? And that is the mm. will of the voters, the will of the people. True, true. But the thing that gets me is as much as everybody says about AOC and how they don't like her ideologies, she raised $1.5 million. Someone on Twitter said, Ted Cruz is one person. What can he do? AOC is one person. She just raised $1.5 million for the state's relief. That's what one person can do. He could have been there. He, you know what? If he wanted his family to go, he should have done that. But his actions afterwards proved to me that he, he, didn't, he didn't learn anything. Left his dog at home, who was cold, in a cold house. Uh, started blaming his friends who outed and ratted him out as bad people and then started taking photo ops of him doing volunteer work. You don't need a photo op of that, hun. Just do it. I don't need a camera Listen, around. Just freaking do it. Be- Beto O'Rourke lost by 200,000 votes to him in the last, in the last election, right? So mm. you're talking about 200,000 people out of you know, almost 10 million people 
was the difference between mm-hmm. Beto O'Rourke being in that position and Ted Cruz being in that position. Mm-hmm. And the difference is now the opportunity for voters to again make their choice. I mean, maybe some voters are kicking themselves saying we should have chose Beto over, you know, Ted. Mm-hmm. You look at what Beto O'Rourke and his response was mm-hmm. and the fact that he stepped up in that situation. I can't imagine that you have a lot of voters that are not looking at that and saying, wow, this is really just a poor decision. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, people with money have the opportunity to make those poor decisions and mm-hmm. escape relatively unscathed. Yep. It's just a fact of, of American society. Like you can't fault capitalism for the, you know, <laughs> for the things that it's created. Um, you have to fault the people and their behaviors. And I think mm-hmm. it's appropriate to say as a voter in Texas, how can you live with yourself voting for someone that left you in the lurch while the entire state was dealing with this, with this calamity and then yep. looking at, Someone like Beto O'Rourke, who's running against him or who ran against him in the past and has stepped up with AOC, raised millions of dollars, is there on the ground trying to provide leadership, which is what any political person should be doing in that situation, and, in, you know, and, and have that moral dilemma within themselves when they walk into the ballot booth, as opposed to canceling someone like Ted Cruz, who there's always going to be another Ted Cruz out there to step into their place. There's always going to be yeah, someone who's a sycophant to whoever's in power. There's always mm-hmm. going to be those people that are willing to forego whatever, you know, moral <laughs> imperative that most of us follow, that most of us feel is the right thing to do and do what, what is most appropriate for their own self-interest, for their own political interest. And he let that man talk bad about his wife. Like that part of anything, that part will never leave me. Ted Cruz let Donald Trump talk ill about his wife in front of him. And he and did nothing dad. to defend her. Nothing. His, his wife and his dead dad. Oh, that's right. Like I forgot is, about the dad. Yeah. This is, this is a guy who, mm. you know, like I said, you, you have to sell your soul, you know, and in and, and certain times you're selling it a little bit by a little bit. He sold, <laughs> sold it, you know, <laughs> He just right in the success. beginning he was just like take the whole damn thing. I don't I don't want it. How how can you live with this? Ugh. How can you look at yourself in the mirror and, and feel mm-hmm. like you know you're a decent human being? And then you got to go home and face your wife. And she's okay with it apparently cuz they're still married. Um Yeah, I mean but after, then again afterwards you know you could smile and, on camera after the debate mm-hmm. and you know after these conversations you could smile and hold your wife's hand and pretend like everything's good. But when you get home your nuts are in a vice. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't think, is that grounds to divorce someone? I don't know. I, I think the bigger thing is, if a robber comes into the house, are you going to protect me and the kids? That's what I would be thinking. That's where my head goes. If you can't protect <laughs> me from an insult, <laughs> like, I, I went there, Joe. You know how I, you know how my mind works. I just, yeah. I don't know, whatever. Um, the other person that I feel should 100% be canceled, and you're going to disagree with me, Perez Hilton. Here's why. Everybody saw the Framing Britney Spears documentary. Perez mm. was disgusting in that documentary. He said things, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the actual phrase. Basically, the more Britney Spears messes up, the sooner his rent gets paid. Um this was 
probably the grossest thing besides Diane Sawyer. Um, and I have a problem with Diane Sawyer. The thing is, back then, we thought that that was funny. The culture and the society has changed so much that we are completely offended by it. I'm not sure why I thought that was okay. I really am not. Um, the reason why I feel like Perez should be canceled, not specifically for Britney, because he did apologize to Britney. And again, I think that he's, he could be somebody who has changed. But I was watching a TV show, and the TV show said, you should hear how Perez Hilton talked about Rumor Willis. You, you guys know me. I'm not the type of person that goes off someone's, you know, allegations, accusations. I do my research. I found out some of the things that Perez Hilton said about 18-year-old Rumor Willis when she finally left Idaho and moved to L.A. were apprehensive. Like, I, my blood boiled. He called her potato head. He said that she's a coke whore. He said that she's a slut. That she's talentless. When she started her music career, he's like, oh, great. Something that we need to hear is Rumor Willis singing. Not. He was awful to her. And he has never apologized to her. He made fun of her while she was going through an addiction. She struggled with addiction. And he exacerbated it. He has never publicly apologized for it. And I fucking dragged him on Twitter, Instagram. Honey, if the animal channel let me, I would drag him there. Um, A&E, CBS, ABC, NBC. I would have dragged him publicly even more so. What he did to this poor girl was demonstrative. Um, I don't think he's changed. I don't. I think he's evolved from the Britney thing. But like Joe and I had talked before, there was somebody in high school, and I'm not going to name any names, but there was someone that was good to me, but then wasn't good to other people. I think that that's what Perez did. He, he found solace with being nicer to Britney, but then found another person to pick on. Um, what are your thoughts on Perez Hilton? Well, First of all, and you'll have to you'll have to pardon me for my my um, my perspective on Perez and it's uh, Perez's well the relevance of Perez Hilton in Ouch. American culture in general. First of all, this is somebody who I have always felt has had zero relevance. They're mm-hmm. a glory hound. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you can dye your hair whatever color and, and try to you know try to make yourself stand out for whatever reasons. But at the end of the day, he's the same glory hound as all the paparazzi that were chasing around any celebrity and, you know, getting these, these lucrative uh, payouts for all of these, you know, mm-hmm. dirt you could find. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, these ambulance chasing scumbags, and that's mm-hmm. what they are. Um, mm-hmm. They all, you know, they all fall within the same category just whoever happens to be the most relevant and use their 15 minutes for the most, you know, nefarious reasons, you know, good, good on them if they can sleep at night. But at the end of the day, Perez Hilton is, is, is completely someone who I feel is completely irrelevant. However, Mm -hmm. what I feel like the problem with someone like Perez Hilton is that he has capitalized on an industry and an American public 
that loves to eat this crap up. Mm-hmm. So who are we to then judge to, you know, that this person is, you know, basically an ambulance chasing scumbag, like I said, when mm-hmm. this is what Americans are consuming. This is what mm-hmm. Americans are running out and buying Us Weekly and buying all these, these silly magazines mm-hmm. because they want the dirt. They want to see people that, you know, seemingly have it all fail. They want to see these the, the dark underbelly of Hollywood. They want to see those people mm-hmm. that are seemingly perfect, you know, brought down a peg to a more human level that they can relate to. And that's, mm-hmm. that's all well and I mean, I, I understand that, you know, you know, we, we do these things and, and end up, um, you know, end up looking back at them in, in, in horror. But this has also been going on for a long time. This has mm-hmm. been going on since the opportunity to photograph celebrities. This has been going on since the, uh, you know, the opportunity to, to chase those people who have been in movies um, and, and, you know, red carpet events where people are, are lining up to, to photograph, you know, photograph these people. It's been happening for a long time. So is, is he a symptom or is he a disease? I, I, you know, I don't think he's relevant enough to call him a disease. So, you know, do you want to, do you want to cancel the whole thing? I, I mean, cancel, you know, cancel these, these sickos chasing down celebrities and, you know, and, and when they're going out for a coffee and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, chase them, you know, chase these people out of a, an industry that is predicated on, you know, catching these people when they're, you know, they're walking their dog or they're mm-hmm. leaning over at the beach so you can see that they're not, you know, chiseled less than 10% body fat. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's an, it's a completely disgusting industry in general focused yep. on finding these flaws. And, you know, I, I also partly blame the American public. Why do mm-hmm. we eat this crap? It is garbage. Um, but you know, cancel him, mm-hmm. sure. You know, and and the only reason why I won't disagree with you on it is because I I just don't think he's relevant enough to even warrant the discussion. But <laughs> at the same time, at the same time, saying horrible things to Rumor Willis or saying horrible mm-hmm. things about Rumor Willis, there's a difference between framing it in the context of an allegation or a story that's been confirmed and vetted, and saying you know what she was caught you know, doing something. She was caught. If, if, if it was a situation where, you know, my sources tell me that she mm-hmm. had done X, Y, or Z, that, you know, th- there's a difference between vetting it as an actual journalist and then trying to just out somebody by slut shaming them or trashing them because you heard that they, you know, they did Coke or they had, you know, or they had some kind of, of substance abuse problem that, that they've been addressing. Those things are shameful. And mm-hmm. he's a shameful person for, for trying yeah. to, you know, get his 15 minutes and make money off of these things. It's, um, you know, monetizing other people's pain and, and misery is, I mean, that, again, that's, that's something that as Americans, we should look at ourselves in the mirror and say, why are we accepting of this? Why are mm-hmm. we, why are we, why are we, you know, accepting this as a commodity, uh, you know, in, in supposedly the greatest country on the planet? Like that's, that's disturbing to me. When Joe takes you down, it's like disappointing your dad. You feel like shit. (laughs) And I hope Perez is listening and feels like shit because imagine what he made room. He had pictures of rumor and he um, 
drew a dick going up her skirt, and he drew little white lines coming from her nose. So as bad as he may feel after being uh, verbally assaulted by Joe, I hope he, he understands how he made rumor feel when she saw those pictures at 18 and 19. And, and so. listen, I, I'm, I'm going to say this for the record because I just said that Perez Hilton is irrelevant. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm even less irrelevant. I have less of an audience. <laughs> I have less people. You know, like I'm a tiny. You're relevant in my life. <laughs> Opinion, wow. opinions are like assholes. <laughs> Everyone's and got at, one. Mm-hmm. At, at the end of the day, like you know, my opinion. Do I think that he's going to, you know, he's going to go crying, you know, in his sleep tonight? I, I'm sure he's had far more, you know, people with greater exposure chastise him for his ridiculous behavior and for the life that he's, you know, created, uh, uh, you know, off the backs of, of other people's misery. You know, that's, sure. that's fine. I, I, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I wonder how these people can sleep at night knowing that that's what know. they have. They've made their fortune off of that. I'm fine with my, you know, my comfortable living and what I'm doing in my life and, you know, mm-hmm. being able to enjoy my work. I can go to sleep mm-hmm. at night knowing that I'm not, you know, a bag of shit. <laughs> You're a good person. And I tried. And you are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, not that you're irrelevant, but how do they sleep? Like, well, I do know Perez has adopted three children, but he's been single for, gosh, longer than I've ever known what single is. So there's that. I have now come to the point in my adult life where I don't wish ill on people. I take comfort in karma. And I know that karma is going to do way more than I could ever do or say or wish upon someone. So I just, I just wait for karma to do their job. So, um, you know, the thing about karma is just a term, a convenient term for the law of averages. Good yeah. things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you add it all up, it, you know, you're probably like 50.1 to 49.9, you know, one way or the other. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think there's a lot of bad people that have so much good fortune and so much, uh, you know, so much joy in their life, especially in these situations where they, you know, this – Someone like Perez, who uh, you know has created some goodwill in adopting three kids, good for him. I, I, I can mm-hmm. I can appreciate the good that he's done for those three children. Um, but at the end of the day, again, he's got to look himself in the mirror. The only person you mm-hmm. got to you know the only person you got to live with for your entire life is yourself. And if you can look in the mirror and feel good about it, then hey, give yourself a pat on the back and move on with your day. Right, and and my thing about karma is. Have bad things happened to me? Absolutely. But I've learned how to deal with it and what lessons I needed to learn from it. There was one point where somebody wasn't, somebody had gotten mad at me for something I did. And I was just, at first I was like, that's their problem. They're just a little too sensitive. And then I said to myself, wait, I would get mad if somebody said that to me. I need to go apologize to that person. So I brought that person to a secured location. I sat them down and I said, I understand my side of this. I don't know your side. Tell me. And when she told me, I said, you are absolutely in the right. 
I'm not going to make excuses for my behavior. I'm not going to um, try to defend my behavior. I'm going to say to you, I am sorry for what I did. And we've been friends ever since. We need to start apologizing when we know we're wrong about something. We have this thing oh, in our society. What? That's a tall ask. Well, listen, we have this thing in our society where, oh, I'm not apologizing, but you're wrong, so I never apologize. Well, then, bitch, you're going to be alone. You are going to have nobody around you because nobody likes someone. I personally can't trust somebody who doesn't apologize for shit they do. I'm sorry, I don't. I don't craft myself because I want to be, when I get uber famous, which it will happen, I want to be around people that are going to be like, bitch, you think you are too good for this. Let me sit you down and tell you who the fuck you really are. That's what I want to say. I don't want to be surrounded by people who, who have cultivated and clung on to Kanye West and never said no to him. I want to be around that, those type of people that tell me when I'm not perfect because I know I'm not. Well, I don't want to be thing, around like, enablers. You already have those people. You already I have do. those people in your life, which is great. Mm-hmm. So that you already had that built in mechanism. The problem is, is that there's always a tipping point between where you have, uh, you have the means to then, uh, to, you have the means to then, uh, take your worst vices and turn them into reality. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that's, you know, that's the, the, the tipping point where many celebrities or many people that have reached a certain level of, of income and fame and, and have acquired, um, you know, that, that level of achievement where, where we see those, those uh, opportunities for Perez to chase him down and, and blog and draw funny shit on them is when, mm-hmm. when there's a, 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 the checks and balances stop working or they're mm-hmm. not effective in dealing with someone who now feels that they're too big for it. They're, they're right. above it. Yeah, I'll never uh, be I above think it. Humility is <laughs> always, always a good thing to maintain, regardless of you know whatever, whatever level of achievement that you, you, you attain. Mm, true. Yeah, I'm never going to be above it. I'm always going to keep the people around me, but I also recognize that I'm probably going to make new friends, and they might come and go, but at least I have my core group. So, and Joe yeah. never takes shit from well, me. So, <laughs> Hollywood, and never. Sport, Hollywood, Hollywood and professional sports are filled with people that have said the same thing. So, I, mm, I trust me true. when I say I'm rooting for you, and don't let it get uh, don't let it get you. Thank you, Joe. Um, I did want to give an update. Tiger Woods got into a very bad car accident uh, last week. So bad that. The jaws of life had to get him out of his vehicle. Mm. He broke numerous major bones, like his tibia and his fibia. Um, it got me emotional because one of my sisters by love, she had a, a car accident a couple years ago as well. I want to say 2016. She hit the back of a, a garbage truck, broke her fibia, broke her femur, and Oof. shattered it. And she said that somebody was there telling her, holding her hand, telling her, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. The firefighters had to use the jaws of life to get her out. She got out. She recovered now. She walks perfectly fine now. She's got pins and rods, just like um, Tiger has. 
my other sister by love said, um, I want to talk to the firefighters who got you out because I want to thank that person that sat with my sister. She talked to the firefighters and they said nobody was near her. She wasn't holding anybody's hand. Well, another piece of this story is their brother, their biological brother died in 2011. So could it have been him? She's very clear to say she wasn't on drugs at the time. She just, for some reason, wasn't paying attention and slammed into the back of the the garbage truck. She is absolutely sure someone was holding her hand and was there. She is adamant about it. And the firefighters are like, nobody was there. There was no way somebody could have been there. We were all working. So that's why I got emotional when I heard about Tiger. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention real quick that he's um, he's doing a little bit better. He didn't realize the car wreck was as bad as it was when he woke up. Um, but it got me wondering, if he had passed away, which... Thank God he hasn't. Knock on wood three times. I'm knocking on my head, guys. Um, I've seen it where people like Kobe Bryant and people like, um, I can't even believe I'm putting him in the same sentence, Rush Limbaugh, have passed away. And suddenly all their past that people, especially in Rush's case, not so much in Kobe's, have said, wonderful things about them and their past have been erased. How do we feel about that? Uh, I think there's, um, you know, this is one of the things and you know, having, having been a, uh, a practicing Catholic for, you know, most of my, my young life, I, I feel like mm-hmm. there's like, there's always some relevance in the moral teachings of, of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, full disclosure now, I'm completely atheist, so we won't, <laughs> we won't go there. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, we, we, we look at, you know, the, the balancing of the scales. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, at, the, you know, at the end of someone's life, we look at the sum total of what they have done mm-hmm. and both the good and the bad. And I think, you know, we make these judgments based on what the – you know, what the prevailing morality is at the time. So, you mm-hmm. know, someone like Kobe Bryant, you know, 20 years prior to this, he is getting in trouble for this rape incident where, you know, allegedly, the, the, mm-hmm. it's not even alleged. I mean, the victim, the victim mm-hmm. was unwilling to testify because of massive, massive, massive public outcry. Um, you know, towards the the accusations, and then civilly, why did they settle? I mean, if you know, mm-hmm. and I get it, you know, people settle, but there has to be some credibility to a case in order for them someone mm-hmm. to settle. Because otherwise, they have to go pound sand and then just move on with their lives. But I think you know, we look at the sum total of what Kobe has done since that point, and since, has yeah. he redeemed himself? Is there mm-hmm. an opportunity for redemption, which is mm-hmm. such an American story? Like you think about like what the American uh, experience and, and what that what that looks like. Like redemption is such a huge part in the narrative of of what America mm-hmm. means. That you look at what someone has done over the course of of, of time, and if mm-hmm. you look at their greatest defeats, their you know most amazing triumphs, 
it comes down to how do you balance the scales? Now, someone like Rush Limbaugh, uh, I don't care. I mean, you, you look at the sum total of this broadcast career where he has literally trashed so many people for, you know, he, if, he was if evil. Were, yeah, if it were a matter of him saying his opinion based on factual information or, mm-hmm. you know, saying that he had political differences with someone, I, I you know, I, I can understand that. But we're talking mm-hmm. about someone who who spent an entire career using mm-hmm. misleading information, using mm-hmm. blatant lies, using such vitriol that I don't know how at the end of the day anyone could have have looked at that scale and said, oh, this is a good person. Now, I'm also, you know, I think it's pretty evident I'm also not conservative. So mm. there are people on the conservative, you know, the conservative side of the spectrum who would argue vehemently that this is a good guy. This is a guy who, who espoused conservative values, and and that's fine. You know, teach their own. Um, but, you know, that's also the at, at the end of the day, and I think that goes for Kobe. I think that goes for Rush Limbaugh, I think that goes for, you know, Tiger. Thank, you know, thank knock on wood, like you said, that, that he, he's still here. Yeah. Um, I think it goes, it goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm never going to be the one who balances that scale for either of those people or for Tiger when his time comes. I, mm-hmm. You know, I can only, I can only look at myself and try to do what I can to be a better person for myself. And mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, hopefully people do that. Uh, you know, on their own as well. It's, um, I don't know how, how Rush Limbaugh, you know, again, somebody who has to look in the mirror every day. I don't know how he does that and, and feels okay with it, but if he does, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not the one who's balancing the scale. Well, he doesn't anymore because he's dead. Well, but, um, <laughs> the thing about Kobe, no, no, not too soon. Um, nope, the thing about Kobe that got me is that, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I read the deposition. For some reason, I got a hold of the deposition online many moons ago. And you know how and it was like when the Internet was first coming up. I read everything that he had said in there. And he, I think he definitely raped her. And he admits now, he admitted then after in the testimony that he did rape her. But at the time, he thought that she was um, just a um, playing, I guess. I don't know how, I can't even remember exactly, but I remember reading it and how he said that, and this is a little bit graphic, that he was really big for her. And she was saying, you know, stop, stop, but he kept going. I just, I felt like, okay, he's guilty, number one. But everything after that, like Joe mentioned, he, first of all, God said, oh, you're a rapist? You're, you did that to that girl? Well, guess what? I'm giving you all girls. So now you know what it's like to be someone, some girl's dad. So he had all girls. Um, he started coaching four girls when he ended his NBA career, and he just, did he become a good person? I think he learned his lesson. I really think he learned his lesson. I didn't hear any other incident after that one incident where he did something close to that. Um, I don't know if there's NDAs out there or what. Like, 
uh, non-disclosure agreements, but I know that he didn't do what he did before. Right, and but let's had, be honest. Go ahead. We, 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 and it's the same thing with Rush. It's the same thing with Tiger. It's the same thing. We only know what we know because yeah. of who they are. And, you know, for, for every person that has a public persona, there mm-hmm. is the other 99% of their life that is not exposed by Perkins Hilton. I hate to tie it back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say uh, bag of shit instead from now on. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, there's so many people that we, we see this superficial mm-hmm. and often amplified version of what they achieve. Mm-hmm. And what they failed to do. And mm-hmm. I don't know if Kobe's a good dude. You know, I know that there's a mm-hmm. lot of things that he did publicly that were very positive for his community, for, mm-hmm. you know, for, for his daughters, for his wife. I, I'm, you know, I'm happy that those things happen. I don't mm-hmm. know if he was a good dude. I don't know if he kept cheating on his wife. I don't know if it mm-hmm. was a situation, sure. or I shouldn't say kept. I said, I, I don't know if he was cheating on his wife. I don't know if yep. he was taking advantage on road trips. I don't know that. Right. I don't know if he was, right. you know, if he got home and he was, you know, I don't know what this person was behind closed doors. We only know this small, tiny bit of exposed surface. We know the tip mm-hmm. of the iceberg. Right. And so that's why it's very hard for me to render judgment on someone, you know, if we, if we're just talking about what they have done in public and their public persona, then I'm happy to do that. Just like with Perez, like, this is what you have presented. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, do I, do I have more to offer to the conversation? Sure. I got opinions about everything, but at the end of the day, this is somebody that has to live with themselves and they are the only person. They are the only person on the planet who knows the extent of what they've done. That's good. And the extent of what they've done. That's bad. I don't care how close somebody is to you, how much you tell them, how much they know you. The only person knows that is yourself. True. Well, I was um, just going to end this conversation at the fact that you took, take somebody like Rush Limbaugh. Now, also, before I move on to Rush, when Kobe died, people immediately start saying, well, good, at least his um, victims are now happy or something to that nature. And I was just like, the reason why I defended Kobe was because, like I said, he had changed in my book. I'm going to say this. This is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say he didn't cheat on his wife because he knew he had a microscope on him for the rest of his life after those allegations. And I'm going to say that he knew if he messed up one more time, he would be canceled as a celebrity, as a black man. So I'm going to say he, he, he didn't, he was a good guy after that show. So there, um, Rush Limbaugh. Let me just tell you, some of the things that Rush Limba did while he was alive, okay? Mike, Michael J. Fox had Parkinson's disease. He made fun of him. He made fun of Michael shaking. Said something to the effect of the guy's overdoing it. He's exaggerating the disease. Said COVID-19 is nothing more than a common cold. 500,000 people died of COVID, and he says that? This was recent, obviously. Um... He condemned illegal drug use while he battled a prescription addiction. So he was a hypocrite. 
He called 12-year-old Chelsea Clinton a dog. He said she looks like a dog. A 12-year-old. I thought we weren't supposed to talk about kids. When Rosie O'Donnell said that Baron Trump seemed autistic, everybody attacked her. You don't bring kids into politics. He called Chelsea Clinton a dog at 12 years old. The last thing he did was he called Kamala Harris a slut. He said she slept her way to being vice president. Meanwhile, he's been married four times. So when someone says he, someone on Twitter said he died, just let it go. Oh, no, sweetheart. Oh, no. He will not get flagged half mast. He will not get not one nice thing said about him just because he's dead. No, sweetheart. I'm going to, I dragged him when he was alive. I'm going to drag him when he's dead. That's what you do with evil people. So, yeah, I guess that's all I'm going to say on Rush. Um, God, what an awful name. I hate him. Um, <laughs> that's so evil. Uh, so let's move on to a better topic. I, I want to get light because we've talked about some heavy stuff. Movie and uh, series reviews. Sorry. Um, I'm trying to watch as many Golden Globe nominated films as I can. I have done a fantastic job on my list just to let you know. Out of 23 films, I've watched one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight films in three days. Wow. In three days, yeah. All right. I'm going ham. And then I'm going to watch a couple more tonight. I'm going to skip the Golden Globe ceremony because I found out um, they haven't had a member of color, Black, Latino, Asian, for two decades. So I'm going to skip the ceremony. I'm just going to refresh on imdb.com when a winner comes up. But um, what are some of the movies that you've watched, Joe, recently that you could recommend? We'll go for movies first and then move on to series. All right. If we want to talk about movies you can recommend. Mm -hmm. Boy, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go with one that you posted about. Um, okay. The the trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious! Great balls of fire. Ooh, that Killing. was tough. That was tough. So well done. I mean, um, mm. Aaron Sorkin first of all is a genius. Um, yeah, he is. The way that he writes. And again, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is the Aaron Sorkin that we know right now. It'll probably be some story that comes out about him ten years from now, and we'll have to you know, <laughs> revise it. <laughs> right, right. Um, at the end of the day, his ability to craft a narrative mm-hmm. and to take a story and delve into the emo- the raw emotion of scenarios, mm-hmm. is outstanding. And first, and Sasha Baron Cohen crushed it. Yep. I mean, everybody. His character was a little annoying, though. Can we just agree? Like, I was like, can you shut up? Like, there's a couple times I was like, can you shut up, dude? Seriously. That was the great part about it. Yeah, you could absolutely say he was annoying. But he (sighs) he pulled it off, you know, at the end of the day, he pulled it off. Mm -hmm. 
um, I was a huge fan, huge fan of the movie. Um, yep. And I think if there was any accolade that it's getting, it was really well written, really well directed. The, the, the storytelling in it was just so, it, it was, it was amazing. Um, I'm going to tell you uh, what something that I I saw that I can we talk about shows or just movies? Are we just talking about movies. Well, movies right now. We're going to get to shows in a minute because I have a couple. Um, I decided during Black History Month that I was going to try and watch either black centered or black made movies, and I started oh. off this month with Roots, <laughs> all six arts. Uh, which was tough. And then I ended this just uh, a couple of hours ago watching Judas and the Black Messiah. So, holy oh, mother okay. of God. I, I think that we should, I, I should have spaced it out a lot more, but whatever. <laughs> it, both were amazing. Um, I'll go over some that hopefully jog your memory. United States versus Billie Holiday. Holy mother of God, that was good. Um, wow. I highly recommend it. If you know nothing about, about Billie Holiday, that's okay. You will find out through this movie and you will absolutely fall in love with her song, Strange Fruit. It made me cry when I first heard it last night, like ugly cry Kim Kardashian, like the, the story behind it. Um, just to let you know, Strange Fruit is a term that uh, first of all, that's a song that Nina Simone made. Strange fruit is a, um, a term that basically means black people hanging from trees. They're, they're not fruit, they're strange fruit. Um, the whole song talks about lynching, and it is just heartbreaking, the imagery that she paints in that song, and how the whole movie is about the, U- the United States of America targeted Billie Holiday for singing this song, banned her from singing that song, took her cabaret card so that she couldn't go. Apparently there was a, a specific card that you had to have to sing cabaret in nightclubs. Tried to bankrupt this woman. You know, you're a drug user, so I, I want to know who your dealer is. Tried to plant drugs on her. Every This is a singer. And they just tried to ruin her life. And you have to watch it if you you feel like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. You just have to watch it. It's amazing. Um, I haven't seen it, but I'm into it. It's on Hulu, just to let you guys know. I have Hulu Live, so. Um, Hill, Hillbilly Eggly with, um, or is that how you pronounce it? El, Elgly? Whatever. Netflix, so good, Glenn Close, heartbreaking because I, I know a family like this, so it it made me cry, Um, so good though, so, so well done, true story, amazing, Um, I Care A Lot with Rosamund Pike from Gone Girl, Probably the most fucked up movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, oh, really? It, it, let me just tell you, and this is not a true story, but it truly happens. So this movie is about a woman in, I think it was Boston. It was definitely in Massachusetts based. I want to say it was Boston. She is a legal guardian 
she owns a, a company that when someone dies and doesn't have family around them, she goes to court, becomes their legal guardian, sticks them in a nursing home, goes to their house, sells all of their assets, and moves on to the next person. Leaves them drugged up and medicated. Well, she did the wrong thing. She picked the wrong client. And it came back to bite her in the ass. And it was the most fucked up movie. I'm just watching it like, oh my God, does this really happen? And I was just... uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a twist because and I don't want to give the spoiler alert, but the ironic part about the ending of that movie is mm-hmm. that the wrong per- she picked the wrong person is wrong. literally not even played out until the very last part of that movie. Like you don't even think mm. you don't even think about that that being the wrong person. Oh, I see and what then- you mean. Yes, you're right. She yes, I understand what you mean. Yes. You are you are one hundred percent right. She picked the wrong person, but the wrong person in the film is not who you think it is. I don't, yes, you are so right, Joe. Oh my god! Oh my it god, play, oh my it god. plays out so perfectly. The the yes. the narrative of the story and how it plays out, and it's very suspenseful. I think they did a really yes. good job. Um, she did such a good job of just being a complete like animal. Amoral. Disgusting oh, human. And I kept going, when is she going to get her comeuppance? I'm screaming at my TV. And then when she did, I was like, yes! <laughs> the, part, the part that was tough for me is that you almost want to root for, there's so many people like you almost want to root for. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the character that she portrayed, you're like, this is somebody who is has is so driven and so focused. And I'm picturing in my head like Michael Jordan just doesn't care about you know who he's stepping on to get to the point mm-hmm. of just just you know the the pinnacle of of you know the the chosen profession and mm-hmm. this is like they're telling it and they're telling it and you're like okay all right i can almost root for her, but then you realize no just like deep down this is just a terrible terrible premise to live your life by and like, then you get to the end and you're like justification for mm-hmm. all of these things that have happened and it's just one like captivating moment it was so good it's just like gone girl you're like oh my god i feel so bad and then you're like what the fuck exactly. She's evil exactly. <laughs> um oh. I'm in the middle of the sh- the movie called The Little Things with Jared Leto, uh, Rami Malek, and Denzel Washington. It's really good. I cannot wait to finish it. Um, and I also saw this that's movie called um, What's That? I said that's next on my list. Yes, it's so good. It's really good. Um, I'm also I saw this movie called The Life Ahead. It's subtitled with the legendary Sophia Loren. I haven't cried that much in a movie in a long time. And I know it's subtitled and people are like, eh, subtitled. This is one of the best subtitled movies I've ever seen. I was crying because you kind of know how it's going to end, but you don't. And when it does end, you're like, oh my God. (laughs) Like, ugh, ugh. Um, I could watch that movie over and over and just love every second of it. Um, it's just emotional. And the last movie I watched was, um, and I'm sure you've seen it, 
One Night in Miami. Um, that was that was that was okay to watch. <laughs> um, it was just yeah, it was it was good to watch. I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I watched it. You're Probably big, won't see it again. You're a big fan of all of the 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 stories behind all those athletes, right? <laughs> I mean, all right, I'm going to be 100% honest because I always am. I kept looking at the guy who played Muhammad Ali, and I was like, God damn, he's got a big butt. And I kept thinking about that every scene he was in. And so it kind of was distracting. So I might have to watch the movie again because I, I kept getting distracted by his ass. And it's so yeah, awful to say that. Come on. I'm sorry. I will say Regina King, you know, absolutely crushed it. Mm. Um, she could I, be the I'm, first I'm black a, director to win an Oscar. I'm a big fan of, of Regina King right now, especially mm. after Watchmen. Um, lo- love me some Regina King. And I, mm-hmm. I cannot, I cannot be rooting harder for somebody who did a phenomenal job. Um, and you know, in, in a directorial debut, it's it's mm-hmm. high fives, high fives for Regina King. She's come a long way since Bad Boys. Uh, she's come a long way since Two Two Seven, honey. Like, oh. hello, oh. Mary J- Mary's daughter is an Oscar winner. Like, can we just wrap <laughs> our brains around that? Like, oh, oh Regina, Regina, I, and it's so funny because I'm like, wait. This girl Regina King is on, on um, the American Crime. Oh, she's good in this. Oh, okay, okay. So she won the Emmy twice for American Crime. I was like, damn, you go. Mary's probably so proud, and I think she still actually keeps in touch with Marla Gibbs. Then she was on Seven Seconds, and I was like, oh my god, this is an amazing Netflix series. And it didn't get its uh, season two, which pissed me off. Then she was in. If Bill Street can talk, I was like, "Holy mother!" Hold she up. is. You just, you, you just glossed what? over Boys in the Hood, though. I show did. Listen, <laughs> you're gonna really bring those up in her Oscar-winning repertoire. I, I'm just saying, like, you talk about John Singleton, you know, giving a little boost. You know, this it all fits into the narrative. John Singleton, Boys in the Hood, one of the one of one of the most formative movies of my youth. So um, can we just all say this? We thought Regina King was going to be just another childhood actor who didn't fall into the traps of Hollywood. So when she was in those two movies, I knew she was there. I knew she was a character. I kind of moved on. When she did American Crime on ABC, I was like, wait one hell of a minute. That is Regina King. Hold on. That's when I noticed her. For the first time, I'm going to be honest with you. I was a big fan in higher learning. I mean, oh, Lord Friday, have mercy. Was funny. <laughs> Friday was funny. Um, yeah. But... Uh, 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 you know, I'm, I'm just looking at her IMDb. Jerry Maguire, she was Cuba's wife. Oh right? yeah, she was Cuba's wife. Yeah, yep. Oh, killing it, absolutely killing it. 
And then, you know, there's, there's a little quiet time, some stuff that, that was nothing really, uh, top of the charts, daddy daycare, legally blonde. Just, like know, I'm saying, she, she was back somebody that we, we knew of, but we didn't like, she wasn't like she is now. Let's just keep it real. Let's keep it real. Yeah. Fair. Not but, a bad career though. That's what I'm going to say. No. Not a bad career. So let's move on to, uh, oh wait, did you have another movie that you were going to suggest? Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm going to have to rewatch Promising Young Woman. At 20 bucks? Um, you still got it rented? Yeah. I don't or are you paying another now, 20 bucks for it? That's a tough call. I, I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest. Have you seen it? No, because I refuse to pay $20 for it. I'm waiting for it to bump down to at least six. I gotta tell you, it is. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna discuss it until you've had a chance to look at it, because mm-hmm. it it it's one of those movies where, at the end of the day, I still don't know how I feel about it. Right. Um, that movie and also the Life Ahead have supporting roles for trans women. Yes, Sophia Loren shares screen with a trans woman, and it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not even mentioned. You don't know that this woman is trans. Um, well, you do, but it's not like a huge discussion about it. Um, the whole point of the movie, if you haven't heard of it, The Life Ahead is about a young boy from, um, oh, where is he from? I can't remember where he's from. He has no family to take care of him. There's this doctor that's taking care of him. He ends up robbing... Sophia Loren's character in the very beginning and then it turns out she has to take care of him and she at first is not willing because he robbed her but then she they have this wonderful relationship what her character does is she is a former prostitute what she does is she takes care of other prostitutes kids while they go off to work some of them come back and collect their children some of them never come back and then they age out of her house and they move on and one of the characters that has a child is trans. She's a hooker. She has trans. She's trans. And her, she is so good in it. Her name is um, Abril Z- Zamora. She is, mm-hmm. like, flawless in this movie. How she doesn't get nominated, I don't know. But it's such a good movie. The little boy, that the, the main boy in it, oh, my gosh. So good. Just amazing, amazing, amazing. Sophia goes from Italian to Spanish in this movie. I don't know how she does two languages, but whatever. But it's primarily Spanish well, speaking. Here yeah. in America, where we where we can only speak one language. One uh, language, right. You know, and broken Spanish know. and the swear words. <laughs> you know, but for those with um, those uh you know with those unfortunate uh souls that have have the inability to uh you know to to expect our uh <laughs> expect our uh, our counterparts elsewhere to be able to to be stuck in the same the same barrel i know yeah no we're we're definitely special um moving on to tv shows i watched Bridgerton, Firefly Lane, Clarice, The Equalizer, and one of your favorites, Lovecraft Country. Um, 
Tell us your thoughts on Lovecraft Country. Oh, great premise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great premise. Um, you know, and this is no knock. I didn't read the book. So, you know, I'll have to circle back and read the book now. That And usually what I try to do is I try to read the book first because I think in my own mind, I you know, it's much easier to, like, visualize how these characters play out and what the mm-hmm. – you know, it's a much more visceral experience when you read the book first. But I, I chose to watch the show first because – you know, I'm just getting over uh, COVID. Uh, spoiler alert, mm. everybody. Um, mm. So, you know, you get, you get a lot of free time on the couch. And <laughs> um, so so I, I, I tackled it in, in one day. Um, part of my concern about that, you know, the, the, the translation from book to, to television show is that, you know, there's always something that's lost. I think they did a really good job with effects. I think the acting was great. The storytelling just seemed a little wacky. The first couple episodes, I would say, really came out was super powerful, super suspenseful, and I, you know, you understand that there's a super element, supernatural element to the show, which I thought was really good. Um, and I think their ability to weave in some really, really tough topics to discuss, um, I think they did a decent job of that. It's just some of the storytelling became so just wacky towards the end. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, again, something I'll probably have to rewatch just to fully, you know, to fully gain my bearings. But um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. The thing I didn't like about it was every single episode up to the last one, which was like really amazing. Black people did not win. Black people just got beaten down in every single episode over the littlest things. And I'm just like, can I have some joy in this fucking thing? And that's what got me angry. The last episode, I was got, like, finally. But finally. you got to look at that story. And you got to look at that story with, yeah. you know, we're talking about the 1950s, you know, right. just Korea and Korean War. You know, we're, 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 we're not even at the point where we've gone through the full brunt of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And here you are talking about, you know, some of the most tragic and influential events that prompted that. And that was not the point where black Americans had their victory. And right after Emmett Till, I mean, that was, not, mm. that was not, that was not when we, when. But we every episode Joe was like, like sitting at the counter of a restaurant, having to deal with that, walking down the street, having to deal with that. Like, can I just have one moment where it's just not upheaval all the time? Jesus. But that's, just, that's historically accurate. That's about as historically accurate I know. as you can get to understand an experience of people that were literally treated like absolute garbage. Garbage. And mm-hmm. to, to, to some degree, we still see that playing out today. A lot of those elements of you observe in that show, you still mm-hmm. see happening today. And I think that that's one of the things that they did really well was mm. they took some of those historical components and made them much more tangible by weaving in this other story. Um, you know, the, Tulsa, the, the, the reality of what happened in Tulsa is mm. something that both Watchmen and Lovecraft Country did a really good job of weaving into the narrative so that you could understand, you could understand just a glimpse of what that experience was like for, um, you know, for Americans, for, for, especially for black Americans, it's, it was, 
Um, that was the one, one of the things that I could really appreciate from a historical perspective. It could have been done better, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know if, um, I don't know if anything's ever going to meet the bar of Watchmen. <laughs> I did, Yeah. Watchmen was good. Um, I did also, um, just to, because we're on full series topic now. <laughs> so I liked Bridgerton and I loved the fact that Bridgerton took, historical characters and weaved in and out of different races. But there was that one scene in Bridgerton. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, he raped. He got raped. Like, for real. He got raped. And we are not... We've always talked about women being assaulted and raped. But this... Like, he clearly did not want to do what she wanted. And she still did what she wanted. And uh, that was uncomfortable to watch. You know, I, um, uh, I couldn't get, I couldn't get through like, like I couldn't get through it. I watched every single episode. I got addicted to not because the Duke is hot. That's not what I, I kept going, wait, is, is that thank you next in instrumental? And then I was like, wait, what's going on with this Duke? I want to know more about his background. Yes, he's hot, but I want to know about his life. I got more attracted to the characters, not the physicality of the characters. And I actually almost stopped watching um, the first episode just because I was like, okay, another show. But another period piece, I should say. But yeah, I really... I actually enjoyed it, except that one scene and that it's not been talked about. It's not been referenced. And yeah, I'm not happy about that. Maybe I'll dive back into it if I, um, if I don't, if I don't, uh, if I get coronavirus again. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, Firefly Lane was predictable, but still good. And the reason why I started watching that was, um, Catherine Heigl, who was part of cancel culture that we talked about, she was canceled because in the past she had said that she wasn't given good material to work with. So that's why she didn't uh, submit her name for a nomination of a show. And then she got fired for saying that. Um, The reason why I forgave her all this time is she did an uh, interview on the talk. And somebody asked her about that. She stood up there and said, I'm not going to excuse my behavior. I was difficult to work with. I've since learned. I was like, okay, that's all I need to hear. And I watched Firefly Lane and I loved it. It was, again, cheesy, predictable, but just I needed something feel good. And it was so good. It was so sweet and good and different from what I usually watch, but I still liked it. Can't wait for season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joe's like, yeah, whatever. Um, no, I, I I saw bits and pieces of it. My wife was watching it, and um, mm. you know, there, I saw bits and pieces. It was somewhat <laughs> humorous, but there were parts of it that I was just like, oh, this is I really know. depressing. Out of me, I know. Everybody's oh, life um, was a complete shit show. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone's. 
But the thing that got me was one of the characters didn't have that bad of a life, and she was still complaining about how bad her life was. And I was like, I think I know people like that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> one movie I forgot to mention was Malcolm and Marie. I forgot to mention that. Um, <clears throat> all right. So I have a huge crush, everybody knows, on John David Washington. <sighs> Denzel's son did amazing. He played the most toxic man in movie history. This character was so toxic, was a gaslighter, was... And people were talking about his age gap with Zendaya. Uh, That didn't matter. Who cares about the age gap? This couple was so toxic. And the premise was a director comes home with his girlfriend after winning an award and he forgot to thank her in his acceptance speech. That little small premise, I know it sounds crazy, but holy shit, that started a war between these people and they say the most disgusting things to each other. And I'm like, how did they even like, how did they survive their relationship this long? Like, holy mother of God. That was that was a tough movie to watch. I only watched that once. That was a tough think, movie to watch. Do you think do you think his character in that was worse than his character in Ballers? <laughs> in Ballers? You I didn't remember see Ballers. David Washington. You didn't see Ballers? Oh, man. I'm sorry. Joe, I'm a black trans woman. I'm not going to watch Ballers. Come on. Listen, (laughs) Yoke, there's the the football celebrity element to it. It's Mm -hmm. it's all in Miami. The Rock is great. Um, And John David Washington. Let me tell you something. And that, you want to talk about. Do I get to see his butt? Um, Yes. Oh, then I'll watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it. you get to see it on multiple occasions. Wait, are you lying to me just to get me to watch it? <sighs> um, watch the first episode. You'll see. It's only okay. half an hour. You'll get you'll get through it in no okay. time. Trust me. Oh, I love him. But go ahead with your <laughs> review. Um and then we can we can circle back next time about uh you know if you think his character is a worse human being in either one of those shows. I don't know, Joe. This guy he was he was nasty and there was one point and I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking because every time I watch a movie I take something from it. As he's arguing with her, I'm thinking, is this how I argue with people? So I have this rule with all my friends. It's kind of unspoken. Some of some of them it, it has been stated. Do not say something in an argument that you cannot unsay later. If you want to call me a bitch, if you want to call me uh, a jerk, that's fine. Call me that. If you call me a trainee or the N-word, I'm never speaking to you again. Don't say something that you can't unsay. And his character went there multiple times. And hers did too. And I'm just like, why are they together? Holy shit. Like, I, I don't see how his character could be worse than Ballers. I really it's, don't. It's, it's mm. cut from a different cloth, but I think you, I okay. think you could make an argument. 
have to Let keep me it make an argument. Oh my god. <laughs> um, what other shows have you watched? Uh, did you watch Clary? No, I didn't. I watched Behind Her Eyes. Behind okay. Boy, that was a, that was a train wreck. Don't watch it. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. You can watch it every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what a train wreck. What Why was it bad? Um, man, was it just not uh, written know, yeah. well or decent premise and then it just mm-hmm. goes off into this like weird fantastical area that it it didn't need you think to. you're watching one show and then it completely spins it on its head and it doesn't do it Got in it. a way where you're like all right this is um this is plausible or reasonable it just it goes and then you get to the end and you're like what the fuck did i just watch what just happened to my life for six hours <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm gonna skip was, that one. I, yeah, I was I was left, uh, you know, you know, like where you have like one of those moments where you just feel like you need to shower afterwards. Yeah, that was it. It wasn't like a good shower either. Like, oh, I need to. Oof, know, it was like a scrub, a deep cleanse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exfoliate, whatever you got to do, but um, yeah, I don't know. It just left me. It left me a little. Feeling hollow inside. Oh, I'm sorry. I gotta hug him, guys. Um, sorry, I've moved past him. Any other <laughs> shows that you recommend before we we sign off for the day? I, I have some other topics. I'm gonna save them for the next show because that will take us well into another hour of topics. But um, any other shows you recommend? That's all I got for now. Yeah. I'll did you watch? Back. Did you watch? Um, the Equalizer or Clary's? I think I just asked you. I did not. That, but, oh. I did so, not see either one. The, the Equalizer is basically, it hasn't said if she's related to Denzel's character in the movies or not, but it's um, Queen Latifah. Is, she has the same last name as him. She's a okay. black woman who's a mom who has... Um, I think it's her mother or her aunt. I haven't figured out the lady that's living with her. But she does the same thing as Robert did, where she is not the cop. She's not a PI. She just helps people who need help, and then they pay her. So um, really good. She does her own stunts. She's physical in it. She's dramatic in it. It's so good. So good. And then she has to mix in time to be a mom because she's a single mom. And it. It just badass woman. That's all I could think of. Like such a good show. Um, okay. Clary's takes place a year after Silence of the Lambs, but there's some issue there. It's supposed to take place a year after, but it actually is two years after. But they say it's a year. Whatever. Um, the creepy part about this show is the lead actress who is Australian off screen sounds exactly like Jodie Foster in her American accent. If you close your eyes, all you hear is Jodie Foster. It is so creepy. It's like she took a Jodie Foster voice box and put it over her vocal cords. It is the creepiest okay. thing. Um, is it good? I like it. My mom doesn't like it because in my mom's words, there's no hot guy that she can drool over. See, guys, this is where I got it from. And she just doesn't find it very interesting. 
The reason why she Ooh. says that is because she watches the show FBI with that hot guy, Zico. And every show that she watches that has, like, police detectives, there's always a cute guy for her to root for. So that's why she doesn't like Clarice. I'm like, Danny Nucci's kind of cute, but she doesn't think so. Whatever. I like it. It is severely creepy. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's creepy. Like, Buffalo Bill, not the creepiest thing out of that franchise, let me tell you. Holy shit. Wow, I'm in. I'm yeah, in. you should you should watch it. I, you'll like it. Um, so before we sign off, you guys know my Eva Mendez moment. Uh, Joe's new to the show, so he's probably like, "What the hell?" Eva Mendez. There was like something. This is the history behind the Eva Mendez moment. There was something going on that was like really crazy, and. I can't remember exactly what the situation was, but Eva Mendez was talking about something in a fluffy way. Like she was seeing the silver lining in it basically. So ever since then on this show, we've had Eva Mendez moment, a moment in our recent history um, where it just kind of made us smile like, Oh, that's so cool. So my moment, my Eva Mendez moment, I was on Twitter like I normally am. And I was praising the show For Life, which is on ABC about a man named Aaron Wallace who was sent to prison wrongfully, got his law degree while in prison, and got himself and others out because of his legal expertise. Again, true story, amazing. And I had said in my tweet, um, that the lead actor, Nicholas Panak, should be nominated for an Emmy and all other awards. And of course, you know, I tagged him in it. Not 30 minutes later, Nicholas not only retweeted it, but responded, thank you. Oh my God, we're dating. Oh my God, we're dating. He's going to propose. And then I said, you're welcome, and your American accent sounds so much like Denzel Washington. He again said thank you. Yeah, we are buying a house in Bora Bora. Um, He absolutely loves me. And if he follows me, which he probably won't, I will just burst into flames. Like, I am, like, that made me smile ear to ear, and I just couldn't, I can't, is it hot in here or oh my god? Don't burst into um, that would be a that would that would be a strange ending. <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> what is your Eva Mendez moment that you recently had? Um, I'm gonna give you my own personal. Oh boy. Eva Mendez moment. No, it, no, for real. Uh, I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful today that. Um, you know, having having said earlier that uh, that I've been uh, dealing with coronavirus for the past several days, mm-hmm. uh, I'm thankful that you know obviously my wife has uh, recovered. I'm thankful mm-hmm. that um, I had a very mild, 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 mild case, like to the point where I didn't even realize I had it because I felt I was so asymptomatic. Um, but you know, I'm thankful for all the people that we still have with us. You know, I'm mm-hmm. thankful for all the people that are doing the right thing and trying to, um, you know, to do their part. 
And, um, you know, I'm thankful that Johnson and Johnson is contribute going to be contributing to, uh, to getting us to a better place. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us have, have been frustrated with being hunkered down for a year now. And, um, you know, my hope is that, uh, you know, that people will continue to see the silver lining and, and just continue to try to protect each other over the coming months until we do see some daylight, um, or at least, you know, to see the full daylight that we hope to expect when uh, more and more people get vaccinated. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for everybody in my life. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful that uh, I'm, I'm one of the survivors now of, uh, of coronavirus and, uh, and my story is relatively boring. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> relatively boring um well thank you I'm, I'm that was that was a beautiful little even mended moment lastly i want to give two shout outs um one to casey hutchinson who is not only somebody that i met recently and if you guys go to forever um f a a d series.com which is forever in a day it's a podcast soap opera i am one of the co-writers of season two ah! i actually have a couple episodes i think the latest episode was one of mine um casey went from being a writing mentor to a friend and i talk to him almost every day sometimes multiple times a day thanks casey um i love him to death and he is one of the people that Joseph and I were on the podcast with. Also, you, I would Casey. like to. Yeah, we love him. <laughs> we love him. Um, also, I'd like to thank and give a shout out to Veronica Dang as well, because she's somebody that was an actor on Forever and a Day that I actually thought was pretty cool. And I've gotten to know her through that show because Veronica was on the show with us as well. So, I like to give both of them shout shout outs. Um, yeah, they're they're pretty awesome people. So, Joe, Hi, what about your shout out? Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to um, to to you, Em. Um, thank you, th- thank you for having me as a guest today. Um, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, we've we've got a long and, and storied history, um, <laughs> but. I appreciate always being able to uh, to have these moments, um, yeah. you know, where it just especially of connection in in a time where, you know, we have been less connected to uh, to each other as a as a whole with coronavirus. Um, I'm mm. thankful to be able to have these moments to connect and and just you know be able to talk about uh, you know our own perspectives, our own our own unique perspectives on the world yes. at large. Aww, I didn't pay him to say that, guys. I really didn't. <laughs> Thank you, my darling. Well, this has free. been amazing. <laughs> yes, that that was that was free. Next one, oosh, I'm gonna have to pay a heavy yeah. fine for. <laughs> we need a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again so much, guys, for listening. Thank you, Joe, for coming on, and I hope you guys have an amazing week. We'll be back next Sunday, and talk to you then. Peace. Still thirsty for more tea? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Spilled Tea PC. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spilled Tea.